0: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. This podcast is powered by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther with Louisville Slugger. Aaron Fitt went, uh, he's gone farther. I don't know about lighter, but he's definitely gone stronger this year on the travel circuit for college baseball. Aaron, you've, you've been around the world. Uh, well, you've been to the first half of the eastern half of the of the country. I love how many of our commenters on the top twenty five rankings uh, love to talk about our bias. Now that you've moved back to North Carolina, it seems how like, you know you lived in Southern California for three years, and the West Coast folks who complain about our lack of West Coast teams out there. Those yeah, I didn't notice that you lived in Laguna, and nobody hashtag nobody leaves Laguna.
1: Well, shoot, so not matter where you live. I mean, you know, I go see Cal State Fullerton for, for two games out in the Midwest. Go see UNLV out there. I'm not hearing from West Coast people about the coverage. Uh-huh. You know, I wrote about these teams. Where are you people? Come on, guys. You just want to complain about the lack of coverage? Come read what we're writing. I don't get it. What's wrong with these people? Well, they just don't do
0: that. They come to the poll, and they come in with what they want to say, and they just talk about the poll. I do think that, uh, thankfully... Guys, People listen,
1: that. listen, if you're listening to this podcast, I probably don't have to tell you this, okay? But there's a lot more that goes on in Baseball America than just a, a list of 25 teams every Monday. We put a lot of thought into everything we do. A little bit more. We produce a lot of words, okay? And words, you know, they. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you, John, but I like words. I think I, exactly. I value words.
0: I say, I say a lot of words, but I generally put some thought behind them. And if not some thought, then some emotion. I hope to do both. But uh, usually more emotion. Than I might thought. just have emotion
1: today. I don't know. if There's any thought going on. With I don't the know. It's going to be awesome.
0: It's going to be a great podcast. We got fired up, Fitzy, today. But I just I, I love that uh, you have been really making this uh, concerted effort to. You, you've basically seen a lot of different teams every weekend, and one of the best parts about that is that uh, it, you know, the, the the teams in North Carolina this year, which we thought would be better, have not been very good. But you've gotten out and yeah. seen a lot of the better teams in the country uh, and, and a lot of the, just the good team. And it certainly feels, Aaron, like this is a very I – mean, I hate to use the parody word, but there's a clutch of elite teams. We, I think this happens every year. There's a clutch of elite teams, but there's a deeper group of muddled this year. It's, yeah. I think it's going to be harder to figure out 64. Oh, gosh. Because there's just not a lot of separation between Team 20 and Team 80.
1: It really, It really is most – Striking in the SEC, right? You know when you're when you're trying to figure out what order to put those teams in in the top twenty-five. Good luck, I mean, yeah. You know it, it's you just could drive yourself crazy. Well, this team beat this team and this team beat that team. I mean, you know, I mean, right now, for instance, uh, LSU had a nice weekend. They swept Mississippi State. Yep. Okay, so how far do we move up LSU? Well, they were swept last weekend by Florida. And to me, a sweep is, you know, a sweep is is more meaningful. You go on the road, you lose two out of three. Fine, and that's about what you're supposed to do in the SEC. Right. Don't get swept. That's right. If you do get swept, um, to me, you know that that says a little bit more.
0: Especially considering LSU was ranked in the top ten at the time, and Florida was unranked at right. the time of that series. Yep. And Florida swept the series, and it's felt like Florida's some experienced juggernaut. It's a extremely young team, sure. And uh, the volatile nature of the Southeastern Conference shown again this weekend, where LSU sweeps uh, Mississippi State, and. Uh, Florida goes one and three on the week. I mean, it's just not a the, Alabama now the top record in the SEC. And Aaron, let's let's talk about the Crimson Tide a little bit. Since yeah. we're on this SEC subject, not only is the Crimson Tide the top the best record in conference play at eight and four, but they've also won a series on the road. And Alabama's played a fairly tough SEC schedule at this point.
1: Yeah, they have, and you know they've handled themselves well even um, early in the season. You know the, the non-conference series that kind of sticks out to you. We've talked about this on the yep. podcast, but you know, going on the road to Lafayette, yep. tough place to play. Um, you know, they don't get ACC teams going there and, and play weekend series. And Alabama, to their credit, did so and they didn't get swept. And right now, you know, we we Lafayette's thirty and three, and they're destroying everybody. And hey, you, you go there and you 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 win a Sunday game to avoid a sweep. That, that actually looks pretty good right now.
0: It's just a t- there's a toughness factor yep. that we have been told from coaches over and over, over the years, that that's what separates a team uh, getting swept and not getting swept is that toughness of a team. Because that three-game series, that's what the whole sport's built around. Yes. And not getting swept in those three games tells you a little bit about a toughness factor. And, and Alabama has has shown that pretty consistently this year.
1: Yeah, and, you know, they, they got into SEC play. They won two out of three at home from Kentucky. Um, they swept all Miss at home, so they've taken care of business at home. Um, they went to Arkansas, uh, and again didn't get swept. They won the first game. Right. You know South Carolina just went to Arkansas, did the same thing, lost two out of three. Arkansas is pitching. I mean, they're you know they're starting. To, I was talking to somebody this weekend about those guys. You know now that they have have Killian back and and you know kind of dealing. Yep. Uh, with, that guy's good with Jalen Beeks and Chris Oliver. That's a really good weekend rotation.
0: That is uh, that is more of your usual vintage Arkansas that we're used to seeing. I mean, it really is pretty impressive that year after year, the last ten years it seems like uh, Dave Van Horn, that staff have just brought in pretty good arms, and a lot of those guys get better at Arkansas too. They're not always high draft guys um, out of high school. So they, you know, some of them are outstanding. He was an unsigned second rounder at high school, but some of them are guys who weren't big time guys out of high school really developed there.
1: it's a pretty long track record now of Arkansas having real elite arms. And that team is now back in the top 25 mix. So, um, you know, they're 20-12 they're and 12 now. They, um, they did lose a series last weekend at Mississippi State, but didn't get swept. I mean, they got a couple of series wins that are quality. Um, you know, most of these teams are doing the same thing. They're taking care of business at home, Yep. winning two out of three. And that's why a team like Alabama this weekend right. goes to Texas A&M and wins a road series. Hey, you know, I mean, you, that's right. we don't see that very often. So now they've won three out of their four conference series um and, and they won a road series and they've beaten ranked teams and um you know those are all quality teams that they've played so alabama sitting pretty now at at eight and four and they've got auburn coming in this weekend it's a home series for alabama you know we know it's a rivalry but Auburn's all of a sudden scuffling the last two weeks um you know alabama has a chance to, to give itself a little bit of a cushion this weekend
0: it's the volatile nature of this year's southeastern conference there and to me they do kind of you Not know, the only—they're the, the deepest in this parody, but it really—it's just very rare to see an SEC team win a series on the road this year. That's again—that is what stands out about Alabama. South Carolina loses its second series on the road this weekend. <laughs> Vanderbilt in the series that you were at in Knoxville, uh, the glare of the sun sphere too much for the Commodores. Right, they lose uh, that series, and I know you're writing a little bit more about it for tomorrow's Three Strikes. But a little sneaky rivalry there that's been rekindled, and it—it you know, it can't be a rivalry when it gets one-sided. And it feels like it used to be one-sided in the Tennessee over Vanderbilt. The last ten years has been more one-sided in Vanderbilt's favor. That program has ascended, and Tennessee had its troubles. This is on its third coach in the last decade. Right. But a, a huge win this weekend, a series win for Dave
1: Serrano and the Vols. It was a big series win, you know. And and Dave Serrano, um, he pretty much said it on Saturday after they won that game. He said this was a huge turning point potentially for our season. I mean. You know they lost what seven out of eight, or I think at that point seven out of the last eight games it would have been eight out of nine. Um, they lost a third straight series. Yeah. You know they they were in a funk and um, they showed a lot of character coming back in that game. It was a back and forth wild game. It wasn't pretty. There were a lot of errors on both sides. There was some weirdness. You know, <laughs> um, there was uh, umpiring calls. I'm gonna yeah, guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there were two instances where um, the home plate umpire. Um, awarded a ball for a uh, Vanderbilt pitcher licking his fingers or, and, and one of them was the key spot in the ninth inning, you know. Um, it was ball four to start that rally, really, and, and I think you know, that might have rat- rattled Carson Fulmer a little bit, but Tennessee built off of that and, uh, um, you, know, and, and you got Nathaniel Maggio coming in there to uh, in, in the ninth inning. He'd been struggling. He didn't start the game uh, against the lefty. They, they started a right-handed hitter and, um, you know, he he was confident he felt he had a good at bat against home right. the previous day and he came up with a big hit and, and you know they celebrated that thing pretty um, Robustly, yeah. yeah you know i mean there was a, a little bit of a, almost a dog pile out there in the infield after after the, the base hit and then after the game you know 25 minutes later there's still there was a loud locker room you know he was walking down the hall hmm. and you could just hear him roaring and and it was it was a big, big game for
0: yeah. that program. It meant a lot it to did.
1: Tennessee. It's, you know,
0: uh, that's kind of neat to see a regular season game mean that much, but um, in a sport, Aaron, where uh, we're in we're a 64 team tournament in, out of nearly 300 schools, um, with a proposal to expand to 72 teams put forward by Todd Whitting and the American Athletic Association, or Amer- American Athletic Conference coaches, the AAC. Um, yeah, you know, there's something too. Uh, that, that's something that we can discuss later in the podcast. Um, but that, that to me, that that SEC it's just so topsy turvy in that league. Uh, it's very hard to pick. Uh, it's hard to imagine a team really busting out. Kentucky's other team here, and we've talked about. I feel like this is not new ground, but I do think it's important that Kentucky six and six. But at the same time, Kentucky's maybe had one of the tougher schedules in uh, in uh, SEC play. Their road series have been at Alabama and Vanderbilt. Their home series have been South Carolina and Florida. Um, it's it has to get a little bit easier, doesn't it, for them in the league? I mean, it's just – the Missouri. league is very difficult. But, yeah. I mean, like, it, it, Kentucky's acquitted itself pretty well by going 6-6 six
1: and six so far. Right, and they've got Missouri and Auburn at home. Those are series that are, you know, you would think – they have a chance, at least, to sweep those series. Right. One of those series. I mean, in Auburn, I think we think is is much improved. In Missouri, I mean, there's no easy outs in this.
0: League. I mean, Missouri's got a guy on Fridays yeah. who's one of the top prospects in the draft. Yeah. Greg Groves. I mean, this guy's got a legit big arm. We heard about him last summer in the uh, pitching for Newport in the uh, NECBL. I mean, this guy's got a big arm. You know, he's when he's on the mound. They're competitive with anybody.
1: They're a competitive club, and they just you know they just won a series last weekend on the road at Auburn, right? Which which Auburn had been in the rankings at that point. So um, you know, there's no gimmies. But you know, we've talked about this. People and and you get people on the West Coast that say, "Oh, how do you have all these SEC teams ranked?" Well, the SEC is good. That's Um, right. (laughs) Just really good. It's a deep league, um, and it's a lot deeper than the Pac-12 this year. You know,
0: no doubt about it.
1: That's just I know that people look at tradition. I mean, if if you're if you're used to the Pac-12 being. A great league, and historically it is incredible Correct. history. That doesn't mean it's great every year. It's not great this year. It's just not great, Aaron.
0: And what well, a weird weekend in the Pac-12, and maybe one of the games of the, of the weekend was that uh, series finale, Washington Oregon, where or the Huskies rally yeah. for a five-four win to that. win the series. You've talked a little bit about what kind of has made the Huskies tick this year. We talked about the new ballpark, but to me, it's almost a sign of a league. When a non-traditional power is in first place in the league, that's usually a sign the league isn't very good. If Washington does this for a long time, like Oregon State has done it now, that's different. But to me, the traditional powers in the, in, in the Pac-12 are almost all down. Arizona State, Arizona, USC, Stanford. Those are the national championship teams in that league in the last 30 years. Well, I have to go back 30 years for Arizona State. No offense, wild, uh, Sun Devils. That would be more offensive to call them Wildcats. Yeah. Arizona's won recently. It's been 25 years since Stanford won, but Stanford's certainly been in Omaha a lot over the years. USC has the most championships, but, I mean, UCLA is the, big, the, new, you know, the new power on the block. In the last 10 years, the best program has really been Oregon State. Well, that's, been the, that's it. Oregon State's been the best program in the last 10 years. From a consistency standpoint, yes. no two championships. We do have back-to-back Pac-12 champs in UCLA and Arizona. But Arizona's not going to regionals this year. Aaron. No, they're not. You know, the, no, not. Alex Mejia and Seth Mejia's brain are not walking through that door. UCLA, as we talked about in multiple podcasts, ravaged by injuries. A third of their lineup gone to start the year. Two big keys out for the whole year. And kudos
1: to them for fighting through. And they're, right. they're you know they were in the top twenty five up until this past week. Lost their second straight series, but they're not a they're not a regional host kind kind of team for me. Um, you know they're. They'll probably be a, a two- or three-seed in the regional, and, um, you know, they're, they're okay. But, but the, the top of the Big West is
0: very strong. Yeah. We've had three Big West teams in the rankings for the last few weeks. Cal Poly w- <clears throat> wins that showdown with UC Santa Barbara this weekend. And that was a good series, it looked like, really, three very competitive games. Fullerton's still scuffling along. I don't know if they're still getting Fs with their <laughs> offensive defense like uh, Hookie gave them last week. But but look, look, back to the, big, uh, the Pac-12 real quick. What's made UW the best team in the league uh, to this point? And can the Huskies sustain that?
1: That's a great question. And, you know, I, I said last week in the chat, all right, let's see what they do against Oregon. Yeah. If they win that series against Oregon, I'm, I'm going to buy in because that's the fourth straight conference series now. And they did win that series against Oregon. You know, and again, it was a competitive series. And all three of those games were. And, and the Sunday game, you know, they, they fall behind by two runs in the 10th. And Andrew Ealy gets the the big three run uh, double, I think, to to win yep. it. Um And and you know, they they had a celebration that was kind of like that Tennessee night. This was even more of a true dog pile. But you know, it's Washington. They are the Huskies. So dog pile. They, sure. All right, fair enough. About
0: <laughs> uh, him, the volunteer isn't the Volunteer Don't they have like a beagle mascot or something? It's like not that? a beagle, but it's like, like a hunting a, dog or something. Yeah, like,
1: like I don't know. It's, it's like got like kind of a droopy
0: eared dog. Droopy eared dog. That's
1: that's what it is. No
0: yeah. feds, Vols fans. I just don't know.
1: I, but forgive my ignorance. <laughs> But um, anyway, Washington, you know, for them to to win that series was a big deal for a program that has been irrelevant for a long time now. That's it. Since Tim Linsicum left, it's been irrelevant. irrelevant. That's the word. So, hey, you know, that's one of the great things about college baseball is that you get this kind of genuine emotion in the regular season. Right. It means a lot. You know, and I know people, Vanderbilt fans were – you know, criticizing Tennessee for uh dogpiling like you've been there before. Well guess what? These guys haven't been there before exactly. It's a big deal. Why should they do that? They have not been there before. It was emotional. It's a, you know, in both these cases, Washington, Tennessee's were big, big series um and, and signs that these programs are really making real progress and, you know, good good for them. I mean they you know they, they care.
0: <laughs> the flip side of that Aaron is that one of the reasons I'm not hundred percent sold on Washington is that is Oregon a measuring stick? I'm down on the Ducks. Yeah. No offense to Coach Horton and the Ducks and the resident BA staffer in Oregon alone, Josh Norris. But what have they done? What has Oregon done? I mean, really, what is the, the Oregon resume is, they won the series against, uh, and they, they've swept, they've won games against teams, they've won series against teams they probably should have beaten. They swept USC at USC. That's, the, that's probably the... That's the best-looking
1: series on on the. i think LMU probably at LMU is is pretty comparable. I mean, LMU's been a decent club in the WCC.
0: I mean, isn't three quarters of Oregon's team from Southern California right, anyway? Yeah, so well. those are
1: like quasi-home games right, for them exactly. anyway. Whenever they travel, whenever I saw them at USC the last three years, it seemed like you know there were a lot of Oregon fans there. I mean, in some cases, more than USC fans certainly.
0: Yeah. So um, yeah, they won the series at Arizona State. But I mean, this year the Pac-12 it's it's just down. Uh, Arizona State.
1: It's like a borderline regional team. Uh, they, they, they look like a, right now like a solid regional team to me. Last okay. three weeks, they've turned it around. Okay. I mean, they weren't for that. They were probably uh, – if, if I had tried to do a field of 64, um, you know, mid-March, they weren't in it. But, but since then, they won back back series at Oregon State and UCLA. And they, and they won against
0: USC. You're right. So, three I mean, straight series
1: wins. You know, that's a team I – mean, and somebody asked in the chat today, and I didn't actually answer the question, but that was a good question. Did you think about, you know, putting Arizona State at the back of the rankings instead of Oregon these are two teams trending in opposite directions right now. Sun Devils have won three straight series. Um, Oregon's lost two in a row. I still think the body's at work. Yeah, I mean, there's still some holes. Kind of a push. It's a push. So we, we, we kind of put Oregon on notice and left them there in that 25 spot another week. Um, but, you know, Arizona State is hitting right now, which a lot of teams aren't. Um, they're actually scoring some runs. Their offense seems like it's coming around. And, um you know, Lilick and, and, and Kellogg, certainly a good one-two punch for those lefties. No the doubt. The rest of the staff I'm still not sold on. I'm just not sold on the, the depth of that staff in between those first two guys and Ryan Burr.
0: I mean, there was, there was a reason
1: why Ryan Burr was in the weekend rotation to start off with.
0: I mean, most college teams would like to the build their from the bullpen forward. Sure. But I don't think they had an, an option starting-wise. So they tried Ryan Burr there. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. That bad, but that Pac-12, I do think it's telling to me. Here that the Pac-12, just is not. It's just not. Uh, it's not a good year for the Pac-12. It's not a good year in the Atlantic Coast Conference either. uh Florida State, and Virginia, however, remain one and two. And one of the real things, two. I have two takeaways from the uh, ACC weekend. Number one is that Virginia, uh, Nathan Kirby. That's about as dominant a star. That's the best pitch game of the year, is yeah. it not? In a year of no hitters, yeah. And we've had a plethora of them this year.
1: You can't do better. What, what? 18 strikeouts, one walk, only 119 pitches in uh, a no-hitter. Ah, that's incredible. This guy's made the leap. I, I, I spoke with Brian O'Connor about him today. Uh, we'll have a piece on on Kirby tomorrow morning. Um, Give it away. Golden Spike Spotlight <laughs> Kirby. Big surprise. Um, but I mean, this guy is right now, John. I think if, if you're right here, who's the ace pitcher of the year, Charles Rodon, and it's not Luke Weaver or any yeah. other, bigger names, I and mean, maybe Gossett's got a case at Clemson, but um, I think it's Nathan Kirby. I think he's, you know, this is a guy who had a six ERA last year as a freshman and as a middle reliever, and now he's number one starter for the number two team in the country, and he's been a stud. He's been really good week after week.
0: He's been outstanding. Well, The, the, the surprise team up there are Wake Forest and Miami,
1: Aaron. Yep.
0: Miami, not a huge surprise, but they have one back-to-back series on the road, and they swept Back-to-back series on the road to go to eleven and four in the league. But how about Wake Forest? I gotta be honest, this is a team I just don't know very much about. Tom Walter, though, has a you know, pretty good track record before he got to Wake Forest turning programs around, give them to the regionals, did it, you know, turn things around to George Washington, made George Washington relevant for the first time since John Castleberry was there. Nice. Then he <laughs> yeah, did it at New Orleans. Um and now this weekend they go and beat a Maryland team that has been a battle-tested team, a team that I went out on a limb and said they were going to regionals. Um, since then, the Terps have repaid me with back-to-back series losses. Um, but this is this Wake Forest team, you know, feels like Aaron. Uh, this has just been kind of more of a grinded-out yes. team that doesn't have a have a star, but they, they certainly showed that they can hit because Jake Finet, Maryland's ace, was up to 97 in the in the seventh inning on Friday night. They you know scored six runs off of him, a couple of home runs. Um, this team is uh, maybe is this is this the Ryan Johnson, Jamie D'Antona, turn of the century
1: vintage Wake Forest even Deacons or more of
0: no. just a gritty gr- gritty team?
1: No, they're a blue collar bunch, and, and they've you know. They do have some veterans. I mean, that's one thing that you like about this team that kind of stands out is some of the seniors. You know, Jack Fisher on the mound and, um, you know, Evan Stevens has, has, had a, has had a nice little year for him. He's a good player. He's another senior. Um, you know, Connor Canary, um, you know, middle infielder is just a gamer and a senior. I mean, so they've got some of these older players, um, you know, that, that have really performed and kind of carried them. Matt Conway is another one. I think he's a yep. fifth-year senior. Wow. Um, so, you know, they've got some experience and, and we've talked so many times about how much of that matters. No doubt. Um, but, you know, the talent doesn't blow you away. But, I mean, this group of players has had their moments over the last few years where they've, they've kind of shown glimpses of it. And, you know, here and there you're like, hey, maybe Midway Forest is, is onto something, and then they haven't been able to sustain it. Um, so, you know, right now, the fact that they're, what are they, 8 and 4 in the ACC? I think I think they're 10, ten and 5, five ten now. and 5 now. Ten and, they were eight five. and 4 last week. Um, you know, you kind of think, Notre Dame, Boston College, are two of the teams they play, so Those are the, the ACC bottom feeders. Correct. Um, but they did win a road series at Georgia Tech to start ACC play. Not that Georgia Tech is great, but Georgia,
0: but, Tech's like, uh, Georgia Tech is a similar team. Yep. You know, very gritty. Uh, you know, pitching defense oriented kind of team, whereas Wake Forest would be a little bit more offensive. But neither team has like big time star power.
1: So and it's hard to and it's just hard to know um, how good Wake Forest is because the other teams that they played in the ACC. I mean. You know, next week they're at North Carolina, you think, well, that's a measuring stick, but is it? Right. North, North Carolina's like Oregon. They're, you know, they're a name brand, but... Exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean... And North uh, Carolina might be the kind of team that looks
0: back at this weekend where they didn't sweep Boston College, where they let a 8-5 lead uh, or 8-3 lead yeah. would ever get away, where they really look back at that and think, what? how do we not sweep that series, you know? I mean, yeah. all credit to B.C., they're um, not any good,
1: though. I mean, all credit to those guys, you know. They're I, not. They're a lot three, of respect to that coaching staff, but they're just not any good, that
0: team. Correct. Um, this is this. This league feels like the Pac-12 in that it's a little top-heavy. It's it's a bigger league, so it might get more teams to regionals. But proportionally, I think yeah. it's very similar to the Pac-12. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's the other thing. You know, like you said, 14-team league versus the Pac is... Uh, 11 for baseball is 11 because for baseball. Colorado doesn't play. That's right. So, I mean, you know... They're going to get more teams in, and that's fine to me. Right.
0: <laughs> um, meanwhile, meanwhile, Aaron, we do have Louisiana Lafayette, who we spoke of earlier um, with regard to Alabama. That's one of their losses, thirty and three. Certainly, Louisiana Lafayette's schedule has not been strong. There's, you know, this is. And last year, the Sun Belt was a pretty strong league, but a lot of those teams have left the Sun Belt. You've got, you know, traditionally solid programs like Texas State. South Alabama they had a nice year last year in this league. Uh, but Georgia State, Troy, feels like the, that, that league in general, some of the decent baseball programs in that, in that league are a little bit down. I thought Georgia State was going to be pretty good this year. Right, we thought they'd be pretty offensive, and it hasn't worked out so far. Yeah, 15 and 18 right now. For the fighting Freighties, but this is not a great league. Louisiana Lafayette, do they have to doubt What does Louisiana Lafayette have to do to be a top eight national seed? Do they have to keep up this ridiculously torrid pace?
1: I think they can, you know, they don't have to go. Uh, they don't have to play, you know, 900 ball the rest of the way. I mean, like they have to this point. But, um, yeah, they need to dominate the league because it's, it's going to be a one bit league. I think uh, at the end of the day, and there's a couple of teams right now hanging around the periphery RPI wise, but I, I don't see that holding up.
0: Penetrating one the perimeter, On the perimeter, P- <laughs> like, like Anna um
1: Sorry, I love it. I love that, that's that's a Bob Cousy reference. reference. All right. Nice. Sorry about that. Uh, Arkansas State, Western Kentucky, those are the only two teams that have really kind of decent RPIs right now. We're talking about potentially on the fringes of the at large discussion, but that's going to be a one bid league. And unless Lafayette loses the Commerce Tournament, then they'll, they'll get an at large. But, um, you know, if they dominate their league, it'll be a top-eight seed, I, I think. I mean, you know, even if their RPI does line down a little bit, um, you know, I think the committee rewards teams that have gaudy records like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, usually really good records leads to uh, really good RPI. That's true. So, yep. I mean, that's you know, yep. <laughs> it's mostly a function of how many games you win. Not completely, but that, that's the number one big factor. Well, it's
1: only. I mean, what's that? Twenty five percent is your own record. Right. Fifty percent right. is your opponent's record, and twenty five is your And there's all, all
0: the little new factors right. that are in there. So, right. it's hard to have a bad RPI when you go thirty and three. You have okay. to play a lot of. You know, you'd have to play a SWAC or BAC exclusive schedule to be at the bottom. a Great West, yeah. as Utah Valley can attest that
1: one that's, that's right. Uh, that's right. Not the Great
0: West. Correct. Uh, that's a good pull. I, I, we don't use, I usually, I'm the one making Great West conference references. Uh, <laughs> you know, we forgot to pro, to preview the independents this year. <laughs> All of New York and New Jersey Tech fans are very upset. I'm sorry, NJIT. N-J-I-T and NYIT.
1: Don't call New York and New Jersey Tech, John. It's an
0: outrage. It's an outrage, Aaron. It's the Baseball America podcast. We're a little salty. Today, to John and Aaron in the podcast <laughs> Nook in the newly clean podcast Nook, Aaron. Let's read some of our Twitter questions. Um, how about this one? Uh, RCT Fetch, who has a uh, fetching photo of uh, Kelly Kapowski as his uh, as his Twitter avatar, but that's not him. How much do I have to pay you guys to sneak Kansas into the rankings mm. one week? Aaron, did you see Kansas on your uh, Midwest sojourn? Yes. I wanted
1: to, and I couldn't make it happen, unfortunately. So the oh. Jayhawks are five and four, twenty four and
0: eleven overall, twenty one and eleven, I should say. Five and four in the muddled Big Twelve. Oh. We're kudos to
1: Texas; they won a couple Big Twelve series here in a row. Texas now, I mean, hey, give us credit, John. Heading the year, this was the team we picked to win this league. That's right. Uh, it was tough. you know. It was I'll give those, you credit. One of those leagues that that, that looked wide open, and and you know, still is wide still open. Still is wide open. But Texas is twenty six and seven. They're they're. They look like the best team in the league, but but Kansas won a series against Texas, right?
0: And in, uh, was that not in
1: Austin? It was as well? in Austin, exactly. And and uh, Kansas won a big series on the road in Manhattan this weekend. So um, Kansas is on the radar, no doubt about it. I mean, they didn't lose a series last week against Oklahoma. So I've got Oklahoma ahead of Kansas on the pecking order, right? Oklahoma also won a series against Kansas State. So you know, I, I really thought Kansas <laughs> State was was coming around, yep. And the last couple of weeks. Looks like they're taking a step back. So, um, I don't know. This league is it's a it's a mess too. I mean, West Virginia was a team that I thought, oh, maybe West Virginia is going to be right, you know, a top two or three team in that league, and they got swept this weekend, I think. Yeah, they did by TCU. By TCU.
0: Pretty huge. I mean, that that was under development in the Big Twelve this weekend. I guess was TCU yeah, finally it was... winning a series in the league, the first ever Big Twelve conference sweep for TCU, and then they've only been in the league what two years or three? Right, years? Two years. So first time they've swept the series in league play. But it uh, came none too soon. This is a team that, Aaron, just you, know, you saw them you saw them win, and you saw them struggle to hit. And that has been the story for well, the a long time. I saw but, them actually did hit. That's right. You saw them on Friday. The next two days, they didn't hit at all. But yeah. but they scored uh, they scored 15 runs this weekend. With their pitching, if they score 15 runs yep. over three games, they're
1: generally going to win two out of those three games. That's a good point. Their okay. pitching is so good. They're built like Texas. And Texas right now is, is doing what TC, TCU has not been able to do consistently, which is score enough to win, because you don't have to score a lot with, with the arms that those two teams have.
0: Right, and uh, big series next weekend for our tweeter. Uh, we have TCU at Kansas, so we'll see how that uh, works out. Yeah,
1: and Kansas is, is pretty interesting. I mean, I, I like the arms in particular in that rotation. You know, Wes Benjamin, Frank Duncan, and those guys. I mean, um, you know, veteran guys that have good stuff. And, um, you know, this, is, this team is, is one of those kind of like Wake Forest, you know. Right. Older, gritty team. Blue-collar, not a lot of stars. I and mean, I, think, I think Kansas has a little bit more star power on the mound than, than Wake Forest has. But teams that, that uh, I'm still waiting to, to form my opinion on. Sure. Um, but right now they're at least in the, in the mix for uh, that large spot.
0: Aaron, uh, the college strike zone is huge, probably an artifact of the old bats. Wouldn't fixing it be an easy way to boost runs, asks Ryan B. Cones. My short answer would be uh, officiating in any college sport. Is not centralized. It's decentralized. It's by league. These guys are amateurs. They're not professionals. None of these guys are ever going to be in the major leagues. So, I just don't think that's something that's realistic to try to implement. Personally, I, I don't. I don't think you're going to really do much damage one way or the other by trying to address it through umpiring. I just think college baseball umpiring is always going to be frith- fringy. Yep. And that's no offense to the umpires. It just is what it is. I, I don't. I just don't. I don't even try to notice the umpires because I just expect it to be not very good. And I, I understand the reasons that it's not very good. Hey, sometimes college baseball is not very good either. The quality of play. That's true. And that's one of the questions that Jason Plant, Eyes on Vandy, asks. Comments on the high number of unforced errors committed by Vandy this weekend. Errors, walks, pass balls, wild pitches, mm-hmm. catches, interference. Aaron, I guess your opinion is that uh, Spencer Naven and Kurt Casale <laughs> are not walking through that door. That catching... They've lost some talented catchers at Vanderbilt. We've seen catcher defense. Cough, cough, Aaron Westlake catching that year. Right. (laughs) Waylay Vanderbilt teams before. Not the pick on
1: the Vanderbilt catcher, but that's an area of concern for you with the Commodores, correct? It is, it is. And, you know, Chris Harvey just hasn't developed the way that they hoped he would in three years behind the plate. He's not really a factor for them right now. Um, You know, Carl Ellison struggled, I thought. Uh, on, on Saturday, I thought the guy that impressed me the most was, was DeLay, uh, Jason DeLay, who actually swung the bat well, had some big hits for them, and, and did a pretty good job on, on some of the balls in the dirt, too, and you know, Tyler Beatty made a point of, of singling him out, so he's the guy that I think needs to, go, going forward, he needs to be there. I think he needs to be their guy. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty tough, if you're a high school catcher and you go into the Vanderbilt
0: program, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to find a pro staff that has a lot more velocity no, than no, the right. Vanderbilt staff. Um, that that staff is just full of nasty stuff. Um to use the family version of the of the descriptions right. that I've heard of that pitching staff. I just talked about Scout the Day just talking about raving about Vanderbilt's pitching staff and how it's just one guy after another
1: after another. It's really impressive, you know, and, and Hashtag impressive. Y- you got you got Hayden Stone coming in there with that eighty three, eighty five mile an hour slider yeah. It's tough to corral for a catcher. You got, you know, Fulmer oh my god, Carson Fulmer. You know, we know <laughs> we know how ridiculous his stuff is, but to see that guy in person, I mean you the know. energy level, ah.
0: the, 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 you, it just comes through when you're watching it on TV. I've never seen it in person, but watching it on, it jumps out of the computer screen on ESPN three. Just jumps out when you're watching him, and you can see why the scouts kind of called him uh, when he was coming out of high school. Like this guy's going to go be a college Tim Tebow. He's going to be the team leader, fire everybody up. And his physicality kind of jumps out of yep. you, even though he's six feet tall. He's, he's just so
1: strong and. Twitchy and, and and he bounced back the second day this weekend. Well, it was still ninety four ninety five with you know a hammer and the thing that impressed me the first day was he actually showed a really good change up too. Hmm. Um, but the second day he wasn't as sharp with his command. Okay, and and I actually thought you know Brian Miller had gone out there and worked a one two three eighth and I there was, was
0: no there. marine layer for him to hide in. This so I just love that picture <laughs> of him in the man, marine layer.
1: It's a good picture from shotgun straddling of uh, nice. Wow, I didn't know Shotgun was that multi-telephone. Yeah, well, he takes photos. He's a good
0: photographer, too. Plus two for Shotgun. That's the first uh, Shotgun spratling reference on the podcast, I think. Well, there you
1: go, Shotgun. He's a listener. He's probably heard it. Okay, good. But, uh, you know, Ryan Miller came out there and, and one, two, three, eighth inning. I thought, hey, you know, why not leave him out there another inning? They've done that before. We used him two innings. He's closed a lot of games for them. Right. I mean. Sounds like he hasn't gotten that 27th uh, out before. But Fulmer's their guy. And so they went to Fulmer and. Um, you know, he, it was weird circumstances like I talked about before, but the point is, yes, they have a ton of good arms, but they weren't um, crisp as a ball club this weekend. Um, they are thrown the ball all around. Dansby Swanson, usually a very good defender, had two rather inexplicable throwing errors that really hurt them um, in, in that game uh, Saturday. Um, you know, the only guy who really played well, it seemed like, was Vince Condi, who's I talked about him last week, and he's a great player. Grinder with tools. He makes every play at shortstop, and he hit the ball hard. He hit the ball hard this weekend in those two games I saw, both those games. He was stinging balls all over the place. Um, I like that guy.
0: I'm just telling you, Aaron came in here saying he didn't have any energy left at the end of the day. You're just brimming with it in this pocket. You're bringing it. I love it. Um, John Vitus who is the radio joker for the Maryland Terrapins, he tweets at us and asks for our thoughts on Matthew Crownover, Michael Russell, and Mike Compton as potential draft sleepers. Uh, Matthew Crownover the left-hander at Clemson, who's a Tommy John surgery alumnus. Michael Russell, who has a great Twitter handle, at Riple Muscle. Yes, he is a good North, one. he's a <laughs> North Carolina shortstop. And Mike Compton, another Tommy John surgery alumnus, redshirt uh, sophomore right-hander at Florida State. And I haven't talked to people specifically about Crownover and Compton. I did ask a scout this weekend about Michael Russell. This sounds like Michael Russell's a thought of as a good college player, which he is. Probably better as a senior sign, might be the kind of guy where if the power comes on down the stretch of the season, maybe you do go jump up and I don't know that scouts know where he profiles as a professional. Right. He's not he's probably a third baseman at the pro level who doesn't have third base profile power. So in my mind he's a four year player. He's a really to me. We've talked about him in past podcasts. You know, I do a lot of North Carolina games. I've seen him a lot the last two years. He's one of my favorite college
1: baseball players because he plays hard. He makes the plays at shortstop. He's a valuable utility player. When I say that, I wouldn't mean to put him down. I think he's a guy that can exactly. play in a, different, a bunch of different positions and right and, out at bats. And guess what? If he's going to being an organizational player plays a lot of shortstop, but do I
0: think he's better than, say, Josh Horton, who was at North Carolina on their 06 National Championship runner-up team, national, the, uh, national runner-up team is what I meant to say, and now the a graduate assistant in North Carolina, no. I don't think he's better than Josh Horton. Josh Horton was Josh Horton's pretty doggone good. A really good
1: player in college. And he, and he
0: topped out at AAA. So I don't think Michael Russell is a draft sleeper personally. But uh-huh. Matthew Crownover is left-handed.
1: Compton, Aaron, I don't know if you've uh, got anything on those two jokes. Compton has, has a lot of sink on his ball, but I just don't think there's enough arm strength and velocity there. Uh, at the pro level. I I don't see it.
0: Right. I mean, even in the last couple years, even when he was healthy two years ago and he was a freshman with Omaha, everyone kept saying, yeah, well, Miller has the most arm strength of their guys, but... Libra and Compton are the better pitchers. Yeah, and, and that's and, still the case. And of course, Weaver is up ahead of all of and, them.
1: And, and Compton will be a great four-year player for Florida State, um, and he'll win a lot of games. Yep. He already has won a lot of games, but he'll be back, and um, you know, be a valuable veteran guy on that staff. And, and and Crownover, yes, he has probably the most upside of that group, but his velocity hasn't really
0: come back to what right. it used to
1: be either. I mean, he's kind of a mid-eighties guy right now, and um, he's got fuel to pitch. I I'll change up breaking ball. Yep, I like um, him. Yeah, he's got he's got a chance, but but. Maybe a sleeper if, if, you know, if he gets a pro ball and the arm strength kind of comes. I mean, maybe there's some projection there, but I don't think he's a real high upside guy. And
0: any other chat questions that you wanted to revisit after a oh, tremendous... Uh,
1: I don't think so. I, I apologize to everybody for being cranky today, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it happens once in a while.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love cranky Aaron. Sometimes the the chat people deserve it. I mean, people do like to... They like to push my buttons, don't they? They do, they, they do. So <laughs> they know they're doing it. They know they're doing it, and that's, that's quite all right. But yeah, you, know, you, I, you had a nice question in there about East Carolina. That was a surprising series win uh, for the Pirates, but a much-needed series win. So now, where might you be headed this coming weekend, Aaron? Because you have been all over the eastern half of the United States, it feels like. Do you know where you might be this coming weekend?
1: I need to look at the schedule, but it will be local. And and, you know, probably sleep in your own bed for once. Hey, that'd be nice. Yeah, a a week or two um, of of uh, staying around here a little bit more, maybe um, taking the, the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, and then I'm going out to Oregon. Uh, for that Oregon-Oregon that State series. And That's then, right. You are going out there. And then catching the Sunday game in Seattle for U-Dub and Wazoo, which I think would be uh, a fun one for Sunday. So, so you're three. going to
0: the Apple Cup and the Civil War on yep. the same weekend. That's right. How about that? That is pretty good. Uh, we've got Iron Bowl for baseball next weekend, Auburn, Alabama, as you said, Fullerton, Santa Barbara next weekend. An AAC grudge match between Louisville and Houston, <laughs> natural rivalry, everybody. <laughs> exactly. Long live conference realignment, and of course, um, UConn, which no, none of the quote-unquote big conferences wanted, in uh, playing for national championships of both basketball yeah. How about both that? and men's <laughs> at the same time. That is uh, what a. So, Aaron, great stuff. I always enjoy the podcast. I, I hope that uh, the, our listeners do. Uh, as usual, if you have questions for us, uh, I check the email every Monday. Podcast at BaseballAmerica.com is the email address. Thanks to everybody who tweeted us questions. He's at Aaron Fit. I'm at John Manuel BA. We'll see you next week with another Baseball America podcast powered by Louisville Slugger. For Aaron, I'm John. We'll see you next week.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter.